I'm Manya. And I'm Natasha. And this is Avocados, Avocados. And our topic for today is should the rich pay higher fines? Yeah, so I think we first thought of this topic while we were in court itself. Um, we were watching this trial of this woman who was caught operating an illegal massage parlor. Mm-hmm. And part of her punishment was a $5,000 fine. Which, I don't think it's too far off from the average salary of a Singaporean. Mm -hmm. Um, What we noticed was that during her trial, she kept requesting the judge for the lightest possible punishment as well as payment through installments. And she did so on the basis that she was a single mother who needed money to support her son that was in secondary school. So, obviously, the judge understood and she took $500 off of the fine. I suppose this is what the judiciary system in Singapore does when they have to deal with people who can't pay their fines um, in one go. So, they either offer deferment or a payment through installments. But the issue here is that it seems like they're very rigid in terms of changing the amount of the fine itself. I mean, $500 off is really not that much. Yeah, a $4,500 fine is still a large sum to pay. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and the thing is, like, even if you can't pay the fine for a good reason, like, you can't afford it, you will still be thrown into jail. Yeah. Yeah, so we obviously felt bad for the woman because she had lost her, like, main source of income. Not only that, but she was slapped with a $4,500 fine. So after watching this, we were like, discussing, like, uh, a person of a really high socioeconomic status, if they had committed the same crime, would they really be as affected by the punishment as her? Yeah, I think people with high incomes would definitely be able to pay that off. Furthermore, they're probably not as deterred as she was. Yeah, no, so it's quite clear that one group has, like, has to bear a way larger burden than another. Mm -hmm. And it's great that you mentioned, like, deterrence, because that's, like, the main purpose of fines. Like, the reason why you have to pay this fine is so that um, if you think of doing the same offense again, you'll think twice. Mm -hmm. But if you're super wealthy and you're only given a fine of like $5,000, would you really be thinking twice? Because you can easily pay that off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we wanted people's opinions on this. So what we did was that we went to social media and we asked for people's opinions and we namely went to Instagram. Um, Those of you who follow would know that um, we posted two stories. The first story was us asking the audience if they believe that the rich should pay higher taxes. The second story was about uh, if the rich should pay higher fines. Mm-hmm. They were both polls, but we did um, try and encourage the viewers to DM us their reasons as a way to get featured on this episode. So we did get a few responses, but we, we cut it down to three, right? Yeah. So. Lewis, he actually responded to the first post on should the rich pay higher taxes? He said yes, they benefit from the system, so they must pay back to the system. Yeah, so I mean, I think that pretty much encompasses like the mindset of a very big group of people that believe that the rich aren't rich because of the fact that they worked really hard, but just the fact that they were lucky to benefit from the system. 
So this sort of gives them like this moral obligation to pay back to the society that they somehow managed to like benefit from because some may argue that these wealthy people may not be, for example, working harder than nurses or frontline workers during COVID-19 who had to work like super long hours and very little pay. Yeah, you mentioned that they have a moral obligation. Yeah, I think obviously people with higher incomes should always be reminded that they're just beneficiaries of the system and they should always pay back or help people who weren't as lucky um, or benefited from the same system. Yeah, no, totally. I agree. Next story was, should the rich pay higher fines? And Jill responded, no, they should not pay more for just being rich. I mean... That's a bit of a controversial opinion. I feel like that excuse can be used if we're talking about taxes because the only thing you're doing to pay higher taxes is just that the fact that you're rich. But we're talking about a punishment here. And I mean, you committed a crime and you're not getting a proportional enough punishment for it. Yeah, I think it goes back to the same argument that people with high incomes should be deterred the same amount as people with low incomes. Exactly. If you have the same fine and somebody's able to pay it off or is less burdened by it, then it's not going to deter them as much as other people. Exactly. I think it's a sort of a problem like with what we're doing now in comparison to people being fined based on their income. Like, what we're doing now is that we're letting them off easy because obviously it would be way easier to pay just, like, a very small fine depend because it's really just proportional to the act itself and nothing else. Yeah, definitely people with higher incomes, when they get fined higher than mm-hmm. people with lower incomes, they'll obviously bring up uh, the concern. Yeah, they will feel like, oh, the government's just discriminating against me because I'm richer. But mm-hmm. they still committed the crime, so... To a certain degree, you are like sort of being discriminated though, I must agree. Yeah. But is it a good thing that you are being impacted as much as you should? Yeah. If we just leave it as status quo, then by that definition, almost anyone who has a high income can just get off a fine really easily. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But there are people who didn't share the same opinion. For example, Samantha said, yes, they are not as burdened as the poor when issued the same fine. I mean, I feel like that's like the main reason for why people would support income-based fines. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, funny you mentioned that because in our own research, we did research on the situation in Finland oh, yeah. where they have speeding tickets that are income-based. Yeah. I think this is especially good to focus on because it is known that a lot of rich people do speed. Mm-hmm. So speeding tickets are one of those things that people with a higher income, they can easily pay off. Yeah. In Finland though, I think it was a very famous story in 2002 if I believe. Mm-hmm. A Nokia executive, he got fined with $100,000 just by going 15 miles per hour over the limit. Yeah. This is because really in Finland they have a day fine system. Yeah. So what we are talking about now, we have like currently flat rate fines, fixed fines basically. Yeah. And day fines are the opposite of that. Flat rate fines kind of focus on the severity of the case only. Yeah. Day fines focus on two things, the severity of the case and the income of the person. Right. So because of that, this person who was a Nokia executive, he was got a larger fine because they looked at his daily disposable income. 
the way they calculate that based on a, it's an it's a case by case basis mm -hmm. but generally the formula is just they take your monthly income and then they divide it by 60 because uh, 30 days there's 30 days in a month and then they divide that by two to get their daily income the daily disposable income in Nordic countries, they do this because um, about 50% of their daily income is spent on housing obligations or family obligations. Yeah. So their daily income is like cut in half. And then they multiply that by basically the severity of the case that they take yeah, into like account. The amount of days is multiplied by the severity of the case. Yeah, exactly. Um, in Finland, uh, going 15 miles per hour is about a 12-day, they call it a 12-day multiplier which means they'll take his daily disposable income times 12 days. Wait, what's a multiplier? Um, basically, it's just the number of days the offender has to pay off that fine. Okay, fair enough. Like the amount of days that he has to live with like 50% of his daily income. Yeah, being kind of taken away or right. fined off. But I mean, there's a few issues to this like income-based fine, right? Yeah. Because a lot of... There are some things that people do to avoid taxes, like mainly the rich, um, that could still be used to avoid higher fines, like to artificially like zero out their income. Yeah, that's one of the major concerns, really. Because it doesn't take into account investments that they could have made, and they could have put their money in offshore accounts. Yeah, yeah, so they can like quite easily get away with it. I mean, in an idealistic world, income-based fines would be like, I mean, the perfect solution, but there are many ways for people to get away with it. And another like concern would be like if people have, I think, savings yeah, or like savings. a trust fund. Yeah. And they might not have access to that money at the moment itself when they have committed the crime, but they might later on. Hmm. I mean, personally, I would think that they should just calculate their total income, including the savings. Yeah and probably proportionate how much they should pay in terms of day fines, even though they don't have access to that money now or when they committed the crime. But I feel like that would just leave them with like less money day to day though. Yeah, that's true, because they're not using the money from their savings now. Yeah, not yet. So, but if it does overlap, like if they do get access to their trust fund during, what did you say? The uh, during the day multiplier period. Yeah, the multiplier period, then they should t take it into consideration. but. I think since it's just affecting them for like a couple of days, they should. Yeah, I guess it really just depends on how many day multipliers they're issued. Mm -hmm. And also depends on, you know, how long the before they can have access to their savings. Yeah, I mean, on the other side, like a lot of people believe that these income baselines should also happen and should be applied to companies who yeah. commit fraud. Because I think there was some case with Wells Fargo who committed fraud and they were only fined 3 billion. Yeah. But their revenue was like 78 billion. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I mean, to put it in like analogy form, that's like having $80 in your pocket and you're caught for stealing and they only take out $3. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's quite easy to compensate if you just like make your customers pay a little bit of a higher, like, what do you call it? A higher um, cost for their products. Yeah, so if the customers pay a bit of a higher like cost for their products, they can totally compensate like $3 billion after raising like the prices of their products. Mm -hmm. It's just not, it doesn't make sense. 
Yeah, but also it gives the if you we really penalize a lot of people like companies or rich people a lot, probably、mm-hmm. could lead to another brain drain like Singapore experienced a long time ago. Oh yeah, totally. Because like if one country just takes too much money from companies like really big companies, they might just sh- set up shop like another place in another country, and that would like. Have a huge effect on the country's economy. Yeah, I think Singapore is especially worried about this. Yeah, it definitely has like a lot of policies in place, so it does make sense why Singapore doesn't have like day fines or any income-based fines、yeah. implemented. It could also be the reason why fines, like running a speeding ticket, only affect you know the lower-income people, but people with higher incomes aren't affected that much. What do you mean? Uh, as in, like that's why fines are only put in for minor crimes to affect people with low incomes.、Um, otherwise, Singapore has drastic me- measures that are put in place for people with high incomes. Right.、Hmm. And I think another issue that comes with day fines specifically is that、um, how basically the court is able to analyze each case based base、mm-hmm. um, because honestly, it takes a lot of. Resources to make sure that each person、oh, pays yeah, the day、totally. fines. Yeah, the collection of day fines, and it's not really certain how they're gonna collect day fines. Yeah, like if you like have a very high net worth in terms of like assets and stuff, while having like a lower fine, like it's gonna take a lot of time for like the the judge or like your lawyer to like put everything together、mm-hmm. to sort of get like an accurate gauge of how much your day fine should be. Yeah, when we talked about the woman with,、um, who basically had the massage parlor, she had one son. But there could be cases where the family has like a lot of children, so they also have to take into account different situations that the offender could be in financially. Definitely, but I do feel like、um, generally, like when these convicts do go for their trials, like. A very small amount of them actually speak up on the fact that they won't really like have enough time to pay back the fines.、Oh, Some、yeah. of them, it's it's a very specific thing that you have to do in court, where you have to like request from the judge to give you like maybe payment through installments or a lighter fine,、mm-hmm. and especially if you turn up to court unrepresented. Oh. Yeah. yeah so it's gonna be like really tough. I mean, I feel like it would be very scary for them as well. Yeah, if you have day fines implemented, usually they will calculate it for you in advance, and you could always talk to your lawyers about it. Yeah, no, you should talk to your lawyers about it. But what if you can't afford a lawyer? That's true. Like you said, if they're unrepresented. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people of a lower socioeconomic status do turn up unrepresented in court. We've noticed. Yeah. In an idealistic world, the judge would be able to know exactly how much. Um, fine, they should pay it, but it also gives the judge an unequal power in a sense. It's、oh, like、yeah. I get to judge whether you should pay this much or you shouldn't pay this much for the yeah, fine. Yeah,、no, it's definitely a concern that like since it's so subjective now with day fines, yeah, like, how much you pay. Like judges totally have the power to make you pay like way more than you should be, or way less than you should be. Yeah, so it it's hard to standardize the practice. Really, it's very hard to tell, and just because everything's so subjective. Yeah, and especially in Singapore, if we use the same system that they have in Nordic countries, 
who are actually still making them pay more than they need. Because in Singapore, we don't deduct 50% of your daily income for your basic needs. It's almost 60% if you calculate it. Yeah, with like CPF and stuff. Yeah, right? CPF. We probably have to pay. In Singapore, they probably have to calculate it as almost like a third. Yeah, no, there, there definitely will be like a bunch of calculations that will have to take place. There's so many factors that it depends on. So, I mean, idealistically, like, these day fines seem like a really good idea, but de facto, like, I don't think it would be accurate way to sort of gauge how much a person should be paying in terms of fines. So I guess the procedural, the procedure that has with implementing day fines needs to be very accurate, basically. It has to be very detailed in how they should go about different scenarios of the offenders. Yeah, and fines are a very common thing. Like, it's the lowest, like, form of punishment. Like, if you yeah. do something small, like, the smallest crimes come with fines. So there's definitely a lot of people that will have to pay fines, but will there be enough time to calculate all of this? Yeah, I think the fines can benefit the offenders, but can also, it may not be accurate to the offender's situation. Yeah. But looking outside of the offenders, I think day fines could actually benefit the court or could benefit the public because you know a lot of people if they can't pay off the fines you mentioned they go to installments the yeah. worst case is obviously imprisonment yeah which does happen a lot we've seen in cases where a lot of them just end up being in prison because they can't pay the fine yeah and with that you know the prison population in singapore will increase already now it's almost full in changi prison really yeah the prison population is pretty bad and they don't even get imprisonment. They're usually under community surveillance. Yeah. And I kind of researched, not in Singapore, but in other countries, it's about $4,000 for one offender to be under community service. That's like a lot of resources and money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. If more people are willing to pay the fine because it's, you know, supposed to be, uh, it's marketed towards their income, it's yeah. easier for them to pay it off, then go through the imprisonment route and just yeah. pay off the and fine. it's definitely way better than like, it's way better for your life in general. Like you yeah. won't have like imprisonment on your record. It would be way easier for you to find a job. And the thing is, right, sometimes these fines, like you said, like they, they cause like a cycle of imprisonment. Like yeah. first you do a small offense and you can't afford the fines, then you go to jail and then you're sort of caught in this lifestyle. When you're in jail, you could also do other offenses that could lead on to more fines and add more charges yeah, on to Yeah, it just you. opens up more windows to do more illegal things. Yeah, I think I heard a story of the two St. Louis women I think we researched about where they were arrested like over 10 times over one charge. Over one charge? Yeah, and they had to probably pay like thousands of dollars for the lawyers and it was, from what I've seen in the documentary, these women, it's not like just these two women, you know, a lot of people in the system kind of go through this rigorous cycle when they're caught once, they cannot pay the first one, then more charges come on, they can't yeah. pay those. Um, like once you get into prison, like your chance of like reoffending is like super high. Yeah, when you have day fines, I think they try to help you make sure that you can pay off at least this charge and you would feel as though the system is being just to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So it would like make people more supportive of the government as well. Like yeah. They would feel like their situation is being more understood. Yeah, so I think when people trust the system, they're less likely to recommit. I mean, like, I feel like breaking the law comes from like this mindset that like 
you know, this shouldn't even be a thing in the first place. Like, I should yeah. be allowed to do this. Yeah, but, like, once you see that the government is actually, like, looking out for you and looking out for your best interests and doing what's good for you, mm-hmm. it's very, like, unlikely that you'll feel the need to recommit. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like if you trust the government and you're willing to understand why these laws are put in place in the first place, you're less likely to be like, oh, this shouldn't be happening to me. Yeah. If you're very sad about your situation or you keep thinking that you're just going to get charges over charges, exactly. it's less about rehabilitation at that point. The system has just been on punishing you. Yeah, it's super dismal to like, think that like something as big as like the government isn't on your side. Yeah, I think the system with day fines, they're more focused on rehabilitating criminals instead of yeah. just punishing them with fines. Yeah, because that might not be like the best way to like make people get on the right track. Yeah, and we research on some case studies where the day fine has been implemented but didn't work out. So yeah. in the Milwaukee experiment in America, they basically got less revenue during that time when they had the day fines implemented. But I think, you know, during that time, I think it was 1989, right. um, Ronald Reagan was president, or George W. Bush was president at that time. And there was just a lot of stricter laws that were getting prisoners, um, getting people sentenced and getting people to pay more fines. I think the crime rate was lower at that time because more people were just getting convicted. Yeah. So I think the revenue loss was not because of the day fines. Yeah, it's totally situational. Yeah, so I think like if you look at countries or there are states in America that have day fines. Alabama has the day fine and yeah. I think they've definitely gotten more revenue out of it than yeah. other countries. And yeah. you know, because like the money they do they, they collect from fines isn't just to be like put on just the services, it's to better like the country as a whole, I think. Yeah, and I think it's so much better that not only are you having revenue that's generated that can be given back to the society and be given to people who are less fortunate and help in building roads and so on, but at the same time you're not compromising the safety of people with less people being in prison, you know. So I think it's like in the best idealistic world, this is like one of the best things that could be implemented. But we also have to know that Nordic countries, they have a completely different society than America. America has just a much much larger crime rates. They have a larger population. So so maybe day fines may not work in their favor because they have so many crimes that they're processing. Yeah, it might be like a culture shock as well. Yeah, but I think for Singapore, we're very similar to Nordic countries in a way. Maybe we'll be more accepting of the day fines actually. Yeah, maybe. That's helpful, thank you. Yeah, and especially in Finland, it's there was actually less reluctance for the, for example, the Nokia executive to pay off that fine. Yeah. But if you look at Singapore, maybe the rich will be more reluctant to pay off that fine. Yeah, yeah. potentially. I mean, I wouldn't be happy to pay yeah. a higher fine. Yeah, and I think, you know... Would you be happy, Natasha, as a rich person? <laughs> You guys may not know this, but think, Natasha lives in a landed property. I think it's not. Um, I think um, I was referring. I think I was referring to the one percent of Singapore who are ministers. Okay, well you're close enough. What's your opinion? I think that you know I don't mind paying a higher fine. Oh yeah. Yeah, 
but my I've asked my family members, you know, about yeah. what they would feel paying a higher fine. And a lot of them said, you know, if you're having a low income status, you shouldn't commit the crime in the first <laughs> you, should, you shouldn't commit the crime in the first Are place. You for real? If I you mean, if you know you can't pay it. But it's like But I feel like is it true that um, crime is more prevalent within like the poorer communities? In the world? I feel like it's very systematic. I feel like when you're in a situation of poverty, yeah. you tend to do more crimes to just stay alive. Right. Yeah, I so, think it's... I mean, it sort of targets them, but doesn't do good to them yeah. at the same time. And I don't think it's a really good argument because if rich people can do the same crimes that poor people do, it's not like they want to do this crime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like sometimes they just need to do crimes to sustain themselves. Like maybe um, the woman that we talked about in the beginning, like she was trying to financially sustain herself. Maybe she couldn't find like a better job and she needed one really quick yeah. to get a source of income. And I think in the in that whole case itself, she obviously showed remorse a lot, being like, I wasn't educated on the licenses and everything. Oh, yeah, she was very remorseful. Yeah, I think poor people or people with low income status don't do crimes just out of their own, oh, I want to do this crime because yeah. um, I have nothing left. I think they just do it because, oh, I need to find a way to sustain myself and my family. And sometimes they aren't aware. Like, yeah. Sometimes they don't have the means to, like, search up stuff that is legal you know oh yeah that's true i think we watched a case once where one of the uh, workers on a ship or something he had an injury or he passed away and his wife yeah. was trying to oh yes yeah his wife was trying to explain without a lawyer being there mm-hmm. um why he she should get some insurance or some type of um something to kind of like help pay yeah compensate to pay for her kids and everything yeah but she didn't know like how to do that because she did turn up unrepresented yeah and sometimes you do need like legal advice sometimes you do need to have a lawyer present before you do certain things like before we started this podcast we needed to see if it was even legal to criticize like current government systems like i don't think someone of a lower socioeconomic status would have much access to that as well yeah, I think it's really like day fines specifically or any type of fines like flat rate fines I just supposed to be put in place to deter people equally. Yeah. And like if we just keep um, letting I think people with low income don't even have uh, the proper education to know the law and sometimes they do things just out of their own survival. Totally. And we shouldn't just say that oh, rich people shouldn't be fined because um, it's discriminating. It's really not. I think the fine, flat rate fines itself is discriminating. Oh yeah. That's very interesting of an yeah. opinion to have as a rich person. That's I think it is. Kudos um, to Natasha for being willing to pay higher fines. <laughs> Oh, but you know, what's his name? Bernie Sanders also said that he's willing to pay higher fines as a rich person. He's unwilling? He's willing. Oh, he's willing? I think he said in an interview, yeah, rich people should just pay higher fines. I mean, yeah, in an idealistic world, like, I feel like everybody would benefit from people being paid proportional fines because it would have a better outcome in society. It's just that it's very difficult to implement, yeah. like, in conclusion. Yeah. 
I think we've touched almost everything about this. Talk, not everything, but I think we've touched all the viewpoints that people have of, of this topic. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, what are your thoughts? You guys can email us, or mm. fo- and you guys can also follow us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. At Avocados Avocados. Yeah, maybe there will be more opportunities to be like featured on our episodes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So do look out for that. Do follow us. And... Um, Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.